0: Welcome to the Choosing to Stay podcast. We're your hosts, Hallie Roderick and Stephanie Hamby, Certified Relationship and Recovery Coaches. We specialize in supporting couples who are healing from infidelity and betrayal. We invite you to join us each week as we explore the challenges and joys of the recovery journey for couples who are choosing to stay in a relationship after betrayal. We'll encourage you with hope for healing and transformation. Connection, empathy, growth. Choosing to stay. Welcome to today's episode of the Choosing to Stay podcast with me, Hallie, and my co-host, Stephanie. So glad that you joined us today. And today we're going to talk about something that we think is really important in the recovery process, and that is putting it down sometimes. When we're in this, especially early on, it feels like this can consume our every moment of our life. And even as you get farther along in healing, I had a question come up in one of my helper heal groups, and the couple's about a year out, and he's like when do we get to go back to some of the things that we used to enjoy? And you don't have to wait until you're fully healed to be able to go back and do some of the things that you used to enjoy or find new things that you now enjoy in a different way or that are new discoveries. And so even though this maybe hasn't gone anywhere, we're going to talk today about some strategies that can help you give yourself permission to put it down. And find some joy in your days as you're in this healing process.
1: You just said something right there. And my brain went to this, like, almost like taking back things or like doing things that recreate that joy. And a lot of the reclaiming process with relational repair is that finding the newness, like finding the new things, finding the joy. And it doesn't always look like recreational or hobbies that we had before. And so reclaiming is oftentimes that recreating, finding new things that bring us joy. And I know for couples who are, you know, a little bit out of the early stages of healing and recovery, they want that newness. Like they really want to start doing things together that they've never done before and exploring and really creating that recreational intimacy. But whatever you said that I thought, yeah, this is really much a part of that reclaiming and bringing back joy reintegrating this joy back into our lives?
0: I think it can be so consuming. And I see this a lot with people early on is like, you're trying to make sense of your reality. You're trying to make sense of what's happening and what you're experiencing and what you're feeling. And so we kind of have this insatiable thirst for what's the next podcast or what's the next book or what's this next course. And we can get so much of it going on that nothing else in our life happens. And Yes, if you work outside of the home or you have a job or other responsibilities, you go to those. And so maybe sometimes you get to put it down for a minute. But any spare waking moment is consumed with recovery work and healing. And it can be exhausting, physically, mentally, emotionally exhausting to be able to have this feel like it has to consume your life. And it makes sense to me why that is because we're seeking for safety and security and we don't want to go back to the pain. You know, we don't ever want to experience this pain again. I shouldn't say go back to the pain, but we want to find any way to relieve the pain that we might be experiencing or go back if you've had some healing under your belt. So giving yourself permission to put it down is hard to do at times and also really valuable. And I think it's kind of, kind of that door for starting to rediscover yourself, rediscover who you are again, or maybe redefine who you are individually. And I think it can start individually first and then spill over into the relational stuff. But you were talking about a really cool tool that can help us kind of get our mind wrapped around this, the container exercise. You want to talk a little bit about what that is?
1: Yeah. So the container exercise is a visual, almost like a meditative activity that you can do and I often recommend it to my partners that I'm working with, but it can be used for both. And I think that it's really beneficial. I'll just give an example. Say you and your spouse are going to be alone for the night. Maybe we don't want to call it a date yet, but you guys are going to be alone. How do we prevent just having an all night conversation about recovery and healing if we're already consumed with this? And so this is a really good opportunity to use that container exercise, or if you're in trauma reactions early on creating a visual container that is a safe space for that thought or maybe this experience or this like recovery and healing we're just going to place it in the safe container and you create a visual container that is a comfy safe space for this to go that also has a lid or some sort of door a way to access that so we're putting it in the container this isn't like a compartmentalization we're not putting it in the container and shipping it away putting it in the container that goes in a safe space that has access to it so that we can readdress it, pick it back up at a time that's appropriate. And it really works well just to, it's almost like you're setting the intent for yourself. No, this is how I choose to show up tonight. Recovery and healing. Yeah, it can be a part of our conversation in a very time-limited way. And then it goes into the container and we can integrate some joy and maybe that recreation back into our night together or our time together. It works really well for betrayed partners needing to function in a role, like as a mom or my work, like I'm going to put it in the container and I'm going to choose a time later to look at these things.
0: I think about important events in our life because Mm -hmm. just because you're experiencing betrayal, it doesn't mean that life isn't still coming at you. And so you may have graduations or weddings or birthdays or things like that for family members or people that you love that you want to be able to be present for. And when the betrayal is so consuming every part of your life, it can be really challenging to allow yourself to just be there and be present in those moments. And I love that container exercise for special events like that, too. I was like, okay, I'm going to put this pain and this idea and these thoughts in this safe box in my mind. I'm going to give myself permission to be in this moment, to experience this day with my daughter or With my sister, or whatever the situation is. And I'm going to allow myself to just have joy in this moment, knowing that I'm going to pick it back up again. And I think sometimes when we tell our brain that, it's like those kind of tormenting or intrusive thoughts that keep coming. It's almost like our brain goes, okay, we'll put those down and then we'll pick it back up later. It's not that we're ignoring it, but we're going to pick it back up. But for right now, we're going to just allow ourselves to be and to enjoy and to be present in whatever's coming up for us or maybe it doesn't even have to be a special event maybe you just need some relief yeah. from the pain maybe you just need to give yourself permission to you know go sit out in the sun and read a book for a minute or maybe you just need to give yourself permission to take a nap or to snuggle your baby or to go to lunch with a friend it doesn't have to be a big thing but just giving yourself permission to find joy in the small moments and get present and put the work of all of this betrayal healing aside for a moment.
1: Yeah, it's so good. Like, it's really healthy and like overall mental health, just to be able to say, yes, this is the work that I'm committed to doing. I'm still in it. I'm not stepping back or losing ground, but I'm committing also to myself by making it time limited, which I think this is a really important part of it is having individually like these time limited moments, like in early recovery, it can be so completely consuming the emotions. Like it's literally is overwhelmed to the system. So beginning by taking moments that are time limited of like, say journaling or whatever tool that you use that helps regulate your system. I'm choosing this time to look at the strong unwanted emotion and I'm going to do it for 20 minutes. And then after the 20 minutes, I'm going to close the journal or I'm going to finish that activity like yoga or something like that. And then I can step into functioning the best way that I know how, but leaving that there. And it's hard. It is also like a, a mental thing, but um, it's very time limited. I'm choosing to look at this and then I'm going to, I'm going to close it. Another way that the time limited works is like, I see it a lot with check-ins. So when couples start introducing or integrating the check-ins is sometimes it will get carried into this conversation that's like three and four hour long. And now we're like digging up all the things and both of us are dysregulated and we're overwhelmed and moving into extreme conflict. And so making like check-ins and even conversations time limited. So w- what is my capacity to talk about these topics at this time? And can we make it time limited and then and the other things tomorrow at this specific time?
0: So we're kind of talking about doing it on an individual basis And I think that you can agree to do it as a couple as well. I know that just coming off the heels of the holidays, I know there was um, at least one couple that I worked with that agreed to try and put everything down because their kids were coming home for Christmas and they wanted to just be able to enjoy the holidays and things. And so one thing that I would just caution you on is if you're going to agree to do that as a couple, and I think it's okay to do that, but if you're going to agree to do that, It can be tempting, especially for the one that has done the acting out to go, okay, we're in a good place. Mm -hmm. I'm just not going to rock the boat. She's been happy this last week or two, or he's been happy this last week or two while the kids were going to be home. We're just going to hope that this lasts. And I would caution you on that and encourage you actually to be the one that comes back and says, Hey, it's been really nice for us to put this down while we were on vacation or while we were at the holiday. And I recognize that we still have healing and work to do. And I I want to reassure you that I'm here to pick it back up and let's schedule our check-ins to start happening again. Or I want you to know I'm going back to my therapist or, you know, whatever the safety that you can create is. But I would just caution you as if you're doing it as a couple to not use that I'm putting it down as an excuse to go, okay, I'm just going to ignore that everything else is there because they seem to be in a good place right now. Let's just ride this as long as it can. Because usually what happens for a betrayed partner in that situation is that it's really hard for her to give herself permission to actually do it and then to follow through with it. And then as the longer it goes along, she might start to feel this buildup of pressure again of going, okay, this elephant in the room is still here and he's enjoying or she's enjoying the holiday so much or the vacation so much that I'm afraid they're forgetting about all this other pain and healing that we still have to do. And then that can cause some activation. So just caution you on that, that if you do agree to put it down as a couple for a special event or a time, then I would encourage the one that has done the acting out to be the one to initiate it again and going, okay, that was nice. And let's pick it back up again so that it doesn't become a source of fear.
1: That is so important. Like I'm so happy that you address that because it's not a scapegoat. And that is something I hear so much with, my couples is I don't want to rock the boat. Everything was going okay. And, but there's still so much pain in there. And so like the one who has acted out, bringing that conversation back up and engaging in that connection is, Oh, that helps so much with safety. And just so you know, that as you get farther along in your healing, you
0: won't have to like consciously do this as much, but you have to remember, like we talked about last week in our episode, That this betrayal has impacted your relationship going forward forever now. And it doesn't mean that you're always going to be in this level of pain or that it's always going to have this level of focus in your relationship, but you can put it down as the farther you get along in your healing. It can be put down for longer periods of time, but just be okay to pick it back up again when you need to. If you resist picking it back up when it needs to be picked back up, what you resist persists. And so don't resist picking it back up whenever your spouse needs to pick it up again. If you'll pick it up with them, the farther along you get in the healing, the less often you'll have to pick it back up, but be willing to do it a lot early on. And, and whenever needed, the farther along you get in the healing.
1: Yeah. Well, and too, I was thinking about like the intimacy pyramid and building trust. A part of that is that vulnerability. And so It is whenever I have this feeling to resist, like stepping back in, then I need to go the opposite way. So if I've always resisted, I'm going to step into this and that helps build trust, which is what we're working on in relational repair.
0: All right. Well, we hope this little nugget episode for you today has been helpful and will allow you to give yourself permission to put down the pain and the hurt for a time and allow yourself to find those little small moments of joy. If you need to know how to start with that, think about activating your five senses. I think about like being present with your kids at a meal or at playtime or with a friend, like really get present with what's going on in your body and consciously move through the five senses. I call that a take five, where I go through and I look at what am I seeing? What am I hearing? What am I feeling? What am I smelling? What am I tasting? And really just allow yourself to be present in the moment. And that can help us get out of our head and into our body and to be there for those times that we're allowing ourselves and giving ourselves permission to put it down. So if you need a place to start, try with that, activating your five senses. And we hope that you will give yourself permission to find the small moments of joy. Thank you for being here with us today. And we hope to have you back with us next week.
1: Thank you for listening to the Choosing to Stay podcast. If you have enjoyed this show, we invite you to subscribe, share, and leave us a review. Connection, empathy, and growth. Choosing to stay.